Life Audio. Hey, I'm Rob Tigan. And I'm Joanna Tigan. Rob and I have been married over 30 years and share an addiction to coffee, bookstores, and Christmas music. We often debate how many dogs are enough and who should win the voice every season. We're a neat freak married to a not so neat freak. An explorer to a homebody, and an introvert to a people person. But we do agree that our vows are for always, children are a gift, and prayer is powerful. Our hope through this podcast is that we can walk with you in caring for the soul of your family. Thanks for being here. So thank you so much, friends, for joining us today for the Growing Home Together podcast. Now, if you came over to our house today to hang out in our kitchen, you'd catch on pretty quick to the running joke between Rob and me that we've had for years. You see, each night I cook the dinner, and then Rob cleans up after the dinner, and then I go behind him and reload the dishwasher my way every time. I have this silly need to control the exact placement of each cup and fork and bowl that goes into that thing, and we will never load the dishwasher exactly the same way. Yeah, and I realized a long time ago that Joanna doesn't expect me to figure out her way of loading the dishwasher, if that was even possible. I know that I don't need to take it personally, um, and after we've done this over the years, 30 years, um, we can just laugh about it now. But every marriage um, has different issues of control that are significant, um, and a lot more significant than cleaning up the kitchen. Couples battle for control over their spending decisions, their parenting, and their priorities in ways that can tear their marriage apart. And that is why we are so glad to have today's guest, Shannon Popkin, on the show today. As the author of the book, Control Girl, she has so much to tell us about giving up our need for control so we can surrender to God's perfect control in our lives and families. Shannon is a writer, a speaker, and the podcast host of Live Like It's True. She and her husband, Ken, are the parents of three young adult kids, and they make their home in West Michigan. Thank you so much, Shannon, for joining us today. Hey, it's so great to be with you, Rob and Joanna. Yeah, thank you. Welcome. Um, Before we get started, can you tell us a bit more about yourself and your family? Oh, sure. So I think you mentioned Ken and I have been married for uh, 25 years now. I can't believe we've uh, crossed that that 25-year mark, and we have three adult children. So uh, one of our kids has graduated from college, one is in college, and one is headed to college in the fall. So we're kind of in that transition stage where they still like store their stuff here, but <laughs> mostly <laughs> mostly they're out of the house. So uh, the last one is headed to work at a camp here in a few weeks, and then he'll be headed to college. So empty nest time for us. Well, congratulations to that uh, that new stage. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I don't know how I don't know how it's going to go. It's <laughs> I, you know, some days I'm like, "Yay, we're, you know, I'm excited to have the house the way <laughs> that I want it, you know, cuz I I like control." But <laughs> other days, <laughs> other days I'm sure I will just be grieving. So, it's it's a bittersweet time in life. I totally understand that. Yeah, for sure. So, so Shannon, Joanna admitted she's uh controlling about the dishwasher. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she's not the only one who has control issues. 
in her life. Um, when our kids were little, I ha- had an aha moment when my kids um, started calling me cleaning man. Oh. Um, and they even made up a fun little song about it to keep me humble. And um, But I realized sometimes my um, to deal with the things that are going on in my inner world, I like to organize and mm-hmm. take control of my outer world. And um, so I was just wondering, what was that aha moment when you realized that you had kind of the control issues in your life? Well, you know, I I didn't figure it out probably as quickly as you did, Rob. I um, I didn't think I had any control issues. I think I would have looked at a book like my book, Control Girl, and thought, oh, I know a few people that would be really good for. Um, but I, I probably wouldn't have picked it up for myself. I did realize, though, that I had anger issues. So I was an angry young wife, um, and my anger came out early on in our relationship. Um, you know, I, I, so I was very aware of my anger. I was reading books about anger. I was journaling about my anger, having friends hold me accountable. And then I, one day I was driving in the car listening to a, um, a podcast or a radio episode, kind of like this one. And Dee Breston was talking about how we have these surface level sins that we're aware of. And sometimes they're tied to this core deeper sin. And she mentioned the sin of control, of wanting to control things that are not ours to control. And I thought, oh, I, you know, so she was talking about anger. I thought, I wonder if anger is tied to my need for control. And that was really kind of a, an aha moment for me. I um, I started then, you know, in the, in the coming weeks and months, I started asking myself, like, whenever I would feel the anger rising, I'd be like, okay, is there something you're trying to control here? <laughs> and more often than not, oh, yes, I was, I was trying to control everything and I was getting mad because I couldn't. So, yeah, God really used that to open my eyes like, oh, there is a deeper problem here. That makes so much sense. And I know that you have a lot to say about that idea um, in your book that we have this basement in our hearts, right, where these deeper issues are, and that um, there are probably two deeper basement issues, one of them being anger, that can really drive our need for control. Can you tell us more about the other one? Well, yeah. So I think, yeah, if... um, we do. We have these deeper struggles and we don't want to go down to the basement and look around at all the, <laughs> the icky down there, right? Mm-hmm. We, we would rather just leave the door closed and, you know, not shine a bright flashlight onto those deeper issues. But if you, so some of the things that we are aware of, and I would say anger is one of those and also anxiety, you know, we're aware you know, we know that we have a problem with anxiety or fear, right? And I would say perfectionism is another one. Um, And maybe I wasn't quite as tuned into that one when I wrote Control Girl, but Rob, when you're talking about having to have everything clean, you know, like there's almost an obsessive compulsiveness about trying to control the things that we can control because we're, you know, so unsettled by the things that we cannot control. So I think those are like... Um, and I almost think of those as like dashboard indicators, you know, like the light comes on and you're like, okay, wait, I see this. Could it be that under the hood or in the basement, <laughs> there is something going on with my relationship with control? Uh, and and I think it's good for us to get the flashlight out or let God's word, you know, shine a flashlight onto those 
deeper things that we don't really like to think too much about. We just keep ourselves busy and we don't take the time. But unless we are aware, you know, control is one of those things we're not usually aware of. And here's here's an interesting thing about control. We don't talk about it. You know, we just... We don't ever bring it up in conversation. Like I've never been in a Bible study group where a woman said, Hey, please pray for me. I think I'm really controlling. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't use that word to describe ourselves and we don't talk about other women. We, we don't use that to describe other women in our life. Like she's really controlling. I mean, maybe in hushed tones, but you know, that's pretty much an insult to say that about someone. So it's like this word that we don't use about ourselves. So I think, you know, control girl is my, one of the publishers that we were talking about for this book, they wanted to call it uh, control freak. And I said, no, <laughs> you know, I said, women have enough of a hurdle to even talk about this issue. We do not want to put another barrier between them and dealing with the issue. Nobody wants to call themselves a control freak. At least I don't. Um, and so <clears throat> I think just giving a, a name to it, control girl to me sounds a little more friendly. And so I think just having language for it and talking about like, wait, could this be a problem in my life and in my relationships? I think it's been really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and one thing that is um, attention getting in your book is that it really says that it's an everybody problem. You know, mm, it's not like, yeah. like you were kind of mentioning, it's not that girl's problem. It's, it's our problem, right? Yes. Uh, it isn't in, really in our nature to um, fundamentally trust God with everything. So yeah, I appreciate yep. that. It really holds a mirror up to my heart for sure. Um, Cause I do know that, especially when I'm stressed, I do start nitpicking about every little thing. It's like mm-hmm. all of a sudden there's only one right way to do anything. <laughs> Rob loves right. that. He yeah. starts feeling bossed around and there is an immediate change in how close and happy we feel in our relationship. Mm-hmm. So yep. can you just kind of um, describe for us what kind of damage that ongoing control issues can do to a couple's marriage? Right. Well, I can totally relate to that. First of all, Joanna, that um, (laughs) just how when control starts showing its ugliness, you know, it just, it really creates a completely different mood. I remember, well, this is May, we're in May. And I remember uh, when my kids were little and they were all in all sorts of different sports. And I remember looking at the calendar. I had this big calendar where you could write in the big squares and I was filling it in and I just felt the stress rising, you know, as I was looking at, I think it was the month of May because it can just be so full. And, um, one of the kids came in and asked something and I just went, what, what do you need? And I'm like, Oh my goodness. You know, it's just, you just feel the stress of I am losing control of my life. It can really, uh, just throw, throw off everything, throw off the mood and how we feel. We're so unaware of the damage that is taking place. It's like eroding our relationships, especially, you know, and uh, I think I mentioned, I just did not see myself as a controlling wife, especially, or a controlling mom early on. But there were just these little things um, that would just I would come unglued about the little things in life. I remember there was early in, in our marriage, there was a lamp that I wanted it centered in the middle of the table next to the couch. It just looked better in the middle. <laughs> and my husband, every day, would pull it closer to the couch because 
you know, silly him, he wanted to use the light to read. So <laughs> it was like this, this tug of war. I was concerned about how it looked. He was concerned about the properties of a lamp are, are useful for reading. Um, and it was this point of contention. Every time I walked in the room, I would go, ah, and go and yank that lamp over where I wanted. And, you know, that seems rather harmless, right? But when you're constantly having to have things the way that you want them, uh, it really can create just damage in our relationships. Um, I think wives don't realize the negative effect that that control has. And, and here's the thing. I wouldn't have called it control either. Um, I didn't realize that when I was, you know, he would, we, I would like yank the sheet out of his hand because he was putting it on the wrong way and go, oh, I can't believe you do that. Or I would nag him about the little crumbs on the counter, or I would speak for him in social settings. And I didn't think of myself as controlling, but, but really I was sending all of those things I would have maybe called, um, I don't know. I, they are under the category of disrespect. Um, but I, I didn't put that together that I was sending these subversive messages like, you can't do anything right. I am deeply disappointed with you. I am frustrated with you constantly. You are doing it wrong, right? And just that stress I was interjecting into our marriage. And, um, and I, I, you know, I just didn't, I didn't realize I was sinning against him. I didn't realize how offensive I was being. And I didn't know the reason for the distancing in our relationship had to do with all of those little things that were adding up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's good. And, you know, I, I find it, I like what you're saying here because I've realized over the years um, that oftentimes to control the things I can't control, because there's a lot of things in life we can't control, and especially in the marriage relationship, you know, I can't force change on my wife and my kids and others, you know, but in that attempt to try to control what I can't control, I lose control in the areas where I can control. Um, if that makes sense, you know. No, Rob, I, that's exactly right. I think that you almost quoted something that I said in Control Girl. It's like, I, I lose control of the one thing that I can when I'm trying to control the things that I can't. And and the one thing that I can control is myself, you know. So I lose I lose control of me. There's a, a parenting book um, called Losing Control and Liking It. And he talks about, like, there's basically two categories in life, the things that I can't control and the things that I can um, and he suggests like, okay, so the things that I can't control, I should fold my hands in surrender, but the things that I can control, I should hold, you know, hold responsibility for myself, but controlling people, they do exactly the opposite. <laughs> they try to, they try to, instead of holding responsibility for themselves, they throw responsibility out the window and they get really angry or anxious or fearful. They're, they're like losing control of themselves, but they're trying to grip control over everything else. There is a, it's a very ironic, isn't it? It's a a weird parallel. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important what you were mentioning earlier in the show that we get to the kind of what's underneath. um, Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times when we're facing those emotional or those outbursts or whatever you want to call them, it's, it's because we don't think we can control our emotions. You know, we don't think we have control over them, but you know, it is actually our attitude and our, um, how we respond to one another that, that we do have control. So to kind of flip that on our heads and remind ourselves of that when we're in those situations, um, 
I think is is helpful, and your your book brings a lot of um, insight and encouragement in that area. But you know, I think um, for couples, there's um, more than than one way to to control, and it's it's kind of easy to focus on the maybe the stronger uh, controlling person, I guess, mm-hmm. um, in the relationship. But I know you know Joanna mentioned her uh, kind of bossy mom bossy wife uh, tendencies here and there, but um, I tend to uh, go passive-aggressive or maybe yes. just passive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and that's that can be uh, its own form of control. So what would you say um, in those situations, uh, how, how to respond to that? Yeah, I, I think women especially um, can... we we understand how relationships work. I think we're gifted for relationships, right? We see that just in the way that God created the woman to be the nurturer of life. Um, We're gifted for relationships. My husband will often say like, you know, I'll say, Oh, did you see what was going on in that situation and that situation and that he goes, we're, were we in the same room? You know, <laughs> he just is oblivious to all of these interpersonal things, little idiosyncrasies going on. But women, we're, we're gifted. We see it and we use it to our advantage. I think that we are more relational and so we can tend to be more manipulative. We can press on those little things uh, that gain us control. Uh, and so we really have to be careful uh, it, it can be a really subversive thing where we're not even aware of how much we're trying to take control. Um, but but I think, and it can be painful too, to start noticing and being aware of like, wait, I am actually trying to control. I'm trying to control my kids. I'm trying to co- control my workplace. I'm trying to control, um, you know, my husband and passive aggressiveness. I just actually, I can give you an example from, from last night. <laughs> so we, uh, we had an extra car and we don't at this point. And so now my teenage son and I, for the next three weeks, we're going to be sharing a car. And I said, well, it would have been nice if someone told me I didn't have a car yesterday afternoon, I went out to the garage and it was gone. And, you know, we kind of had words, shared some words about that. And I very passive aggressively said, well, fine, then I'll just, I'll just pretend like it's not my car and you all can just go on your business and I'll, you know, I'll just use my bike from, from this point on and pretend like I don't have a car. Well, my husband and son are not going to treat me like, (laughs) like I am the one who doesn't have access to a car, but that was my way of like, I'm trying to control the things I'm throwing in. Well, I'll just be the one, you know, do you see that passive aggressive Uh tone? Like, uh, fine, then I'm, I'll just act as though I don't have a car and I apologized. And, um, you know, part of that though, was my husband pointing it out to me and saying, you know, the way that you, that you said those things and the the tone in your voice, he's like, Shannon, we've got three weeks left with him at home. Is this how, is this how we want to use this time? And so I think when we can have those kinds of honest conversations about like, this is how it sounded. This is how it um, this is how it came across. This is what you, did you hear yourself? This is what you said. Is this what you want? Those can be so helpful, but so hurtful. <laughs> also, you know, we've worked really hard to get to the point where we can have that kind of communication. Well, you know, the scriptures that keep coming to my mind are from James chapter four, where it says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? 
You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight, and you do not have because you do not ask God. So I feel like if there's anything that puts a name to why we have conflict in marriage, that's it, don't you think? Oh, I totally agree. It all, like, I think the picture in Genesis 3 is is just a picture of all of us, right? Why did God put that tree in the middle of the garden? I think he was asking, like, are you guys, are you going to live and surrender to me? Are you going to let me be God? And if there's no restrictions, then we don't have any way of knowing if we're living in surrender and submission to God. And so one tree was off limits. And then it was the woman who reached out and took that fruit, took control. There was some, there were spiritual, uh, she, you know, spiritual implications. She knew that this tree was going to make her wise, like God, the serpent said. So she knew there was something about it. It had this like self-improvement kind of property to it. And so she knew that she was reaching for something. It wasn't just the way that the fruit looked. It was something she could get from it. She she wanted control. She didn't want to live and surrender to God. And then look at how she, the text says she turned and gave some to her husband who was with her. And so we see him kind of passively letting this happen. I think, Rob, you know, you mentioned pass- passivity can be uh, wrong, right? And so it was wrong for Adam to not, he was the one who was given the instruction about this tree before Eve was even created. And so we want to see him like jump out in front and say, no, don't take the fruit. <laughs> and he does nothing. And so in this way, they both refuse to surrender control to God. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, um, that's that's really what's wrong with all of us is that we're all choosing to be our own God rather than live in surrender to God. And I think we're, why do we do it? Well, I think we're convinced that we can, can we're better off on our own without God's instruction, without God's guidance. And we feel like we can, we can make ourselves happier. We can create the happy ending that we're hoping for and for ourselves and for our families. We feel like we can take control. We feel like we should take control. And we're very, very deceived when we think this way. Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point, when Joanna and I are in those situations, we we ultimately say we want what God wants and wants God's will in our decision making, but uh, but oftentimes in those situations we realize where our hearts are really at and that it is our own mm-hmm. desires that we're looking for. Um, and so prayer has really helped us in that, um, praying more together um, and taking concerns and not immediately reacting um, one way or the other to a decision, um, but um, taking it to God. And remembering that he's the one that um, ultimately makes the final decision, and that's what we want. And that unifies us um, and has helped us over the years. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and like like those verses, too, that you mentioned, Joanna, what causes these fights and quarrels among you? Is it not your own desires? Like, this, is, this isn't coming from God. This is coming from... Um, that inside us, which is opposed to God. And so I think bringing ourselves under God's control is really the key to all of the things that we long for. So in my book, Control Girl, I I studied the lives of seven controlling women in the Old Testament. So Eve, Sarah, Hagar, Rebecca, Leah, Rachel, and Miriam. And I didn't 
stop there because there were no more controlling women. I just stopped there because the book was full. Um, and, but we, you know, we could have gone on to look at other people in the Bible who struggled with giving God control. But what I noticed is these women, they were all doing exactly what we're doing. They were all reaching for control. They're trying to take control into their own hands because they felt like they could do a better job. They, they wanted to make things align to their own small-minded perspective of how everything should go. They were trying to create their own happy ending and they were making everybody miserable in the process. And then the only way that any of them, like we do have some little glimpses of people who find the security and joy and peace that we're all looking for. And the only way they find it is when they align themselves and, and put themselves under God's control and surrender. They go back to what God originally intended in that garden, recognizing that he is God and we are not. And that's where we find what we're looking for, not in grasping for control, but rather in giving it up. Um, and I love how uh, Galatians talks about how being filled with the spirit, uh, he kind of compares it to being under the influence of alcohol, right? And and that's what, that's what um, being filled with the spirit is. It's like we do things that we wouldn't ordinarily do in the same way that when you're, you know, intoxicated, you do things that you would not, would not ordinarily do. Um, and so under the spirit's influence, we're able to give up control. And one of the ways that we give up control in marriage is, um, I, this is a hard one, but wives submitting to husbands, right? Uh, submitting, like, what if Eve, rather than reaching for that fruit, what if she would have said, you know, Adam, I know you've been given instruction on this tree. What do you think? And invited him to make, you know, invited him to be the leader in that situation and submitted to his idea rather than taking control and inviting him into her sin, Um you know, we don't do ourselves any favors, wives, in being the, the spiritual leaders in our families. Uh, it, it's, I think, when we can align ourselves with God's instruction, God's pattern, um, we breathe so much more life into our relationships and inviting our husbands to lead and submitting when we disagree, right? So uh, I think there's only a call for submission when you disagree, when there, when you vote and it's one-to-one -one <laughs> and somebody has to uh, submit to the other. And so I think that is, that is one way that we come under the influence of the spirit in marriage. Yeah, I'm going to um, switch gears a little bit here, but, um, but not too much because our parenting definitely uh, affects our marriage and things. And we're, we're kind of navigating into the same stage that you are where we're launching adult kids into the world. Um, I don't think we'll ever be empty nesters. But we are launching our adult kids into the world and it can be tough um, sometimes to let go of that grip, um, especially when your kids are making you know, uh, immature decisions or important decisions that you think maybe um, are in the wrong direction, um, or if they're rejecting your values. So as a couple, it can be hard to parent in, as a team in those times. So um, what um, advice would you give to couples to keep the stress of parenting from coming between them and affecting that, con that control issue? Yeah, you know, I remember when my kids were little, I think moms are super protective. Joanna, I don't know if you can relate to that, but I just had more of an eye on danger and, you know, how to protect my kids. And my husband was just not as concerned about those things. I remember coming home one time, the 
a tornado siren was going off and I'm coming home from the grocery store, screeching around corners, trying to get home to safety. And my husband, when I arrive, he's trimming the bushes in the front yard and he's got our two-year-old playing in the kiddie pool beside him. (laughs) I get out of the car. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, swooping her up in my arms. And he's going, he, he says to me, Oh, I'm, I'm watching for it. You know, he glances at the sky. I'm watching for it. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, there is a tornado siren. That means that one has touched down in our area. We just had different ideas. And I think as I encountered situations like that, I just decided, well, I guess it's all up to me to keep us all safe. It's all, it's all up to me. You know, he would let them eat things they shouldn't eat. He wouldn't cut the things in small enough pieces. He wouldn't, he just, you know, he just didn't worry about things like that as much. So my advice to young, young parents is um, moms, don't push dad away. You know, don't push him away. Your kids need a dad. And when you are constantly slapping his hands away from parenting them, you, uh, you're, you're taking something from your kids. You're not giving them what you think you are. Uh, and I'll just say this. When my kids were teenagers, there were times, especially in raising boys, when it just became really tense between mother and son <laughs> relationships. Mm-hmm. And it can be mother and daughter also when our kids are flexing their independence. Uh, and so it became invaluable for them to have a dad. He just was more level-headed. His emotions didn't get in the way. Uh, he could parent them more effectively. I was the primary parent when they were little. He was the primary parent when they were teens. And there were times where I was just saying, you know, for entire years saying, you know what, you're going to have to talk to dad about that. And just deferring to his parenting. So mm-hmm. my advice is like, don't slap his hands away when they're little. You're going to need that dad in their life. And maybe he doesn't do it the way that you would, but they're probably going to survive. You know, they're probably mm-hmm. going to be okay. Um, even if you feed some stuff that he shouldn't, or he does it differently than you, that's okay. Uh, I think parenting, your kids were designed to have a mom and a dad. If they do, call it a blessing, <laughs> you know, and um, so many kids don't have a mom and dad. So if they, if you're parenting together, that is such a blessing in your kids' lives. Uh, and so working at, um, you know, giving your husband that role that God gave him, you know, sort of talking over him, letting him talk to God is is so imperative and inviting him in. Can I just share one more uh, example? I love this story. I was uh, talking with a young woman who was really struggling in her marriage. She felt like she was holding all of the burden of parenting. She had now three little ones. And uh, and I said, hey, you know, back up and tell me about your story. Back up and let's go back to the beginning. And what I learned is, well, they started dating because she initiated the dating. And then they started talking about marriage because that was her idea. She initiated and they started having children's beca- children because that was, she also was initiating all three of their kids. It was her idea. And, um, and she really hadn't invited him to be a leader in any sense of, <laughs> of their, of the word. Uh, and so here they were and she wasn't happy with what she had created. She didn't like him just being passive about the whole thing. And so I said, it's not too late. You don't have to continue 
being alone in that leadership position, you can invite him in. And I said, just treat him as though he is the leader. Treat him like she, she worked, uh, she had a boss. And I said, treat him like you would treat your boss in your home. Like, don't, don't talk over him. Don't pretend that he has no opinion or, you know, don't, don't just assume that you know best about everything. Treat him like he's the leader. And so she came back a couple of weeks later and she goes, Shannon, you're not going to believe this. Um, she said, one of their kids was not gaining weight. He was um, just there. They went to the doctor and, you know, weight, the child wasn't gaining weight like they should. And so um, she went home and she said, okay, I'm going to invite my husband's input on this. And she said, what do you think we should do? And he said, I think you should have him drink milk. And she was like, oh, I would never have come up with that idea because our older one had lactose intolerance and I had just never given the younger one milk. Um, and so, but she thought, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to do, I'm going to let him have some input into parenting. And so she did the thing that she would never have done before and started feeding um, their child milk. And guess what? He started gaining weight. And she came back to him and said, oh my goodness, it worked. You were right. Thank you so much for that input. And, and so over time, over as months went on, the more that she invited him to lead, the more he invested in their home. And, you know, one of the things that would always bother her is he was constantly involved in like his hobbies, doing his thing. He just wasn't involved. And she felt like she was carrying the whole burden of parenting by herself. Well, now that he was in, you know, investing in different ways, he was more invested with his time and it was, uh, so things were shifting. And so I just, my encouragement is God gave children two parents, a mom and a dad. And so wives invite your husband to have more input, especially in those little years, and then really lean on him in the years Uh where um, it can be more tense. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Well, you know, I'm sure that Rob could tell you all kinds of stories that prove I am not a perfect wife. And um, quite a few of those would have to do with me parking the car, okay? (laughs) Um, I scraped our van on the side wall of the garage. I've backed into other people's cars in our driveway. And I, um, this winter, tried to pull out of the garage without opening the door first. That was awesome. And I'm kind of surprised at this point that Rob's not deciding to take control and just start parking the car for me every time I come and go. Um, But, you know, every spouse is married to an imperfect person, right? And some of those imperfections um, can even be significant, significant growth areas for a spouse. Um, So how do we respond to those weaknesses um, without just trying to fix them or give up and just take over? Well, I think, you know, the key word is respect, right? Um, being respectful and recognizing that respect is unconditional. You don't respect your husband or your wife just because they're always respectable, we're told in our instruction in the New Testament repeatedly is wives respect your husbands. Wives respect your husbands. Husbands love your wives, uh, but wives respect your husbands. And I think the 
instructions go to what we don't do naturally, right? Women naturally love their husbands and um, respect is harder. And so for me, it was really key in treating my husband respectfully was uh I you know I I just thought well I'm going to respect him when he deserves it <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to be de- respectful if he doesn't deserve it but no that's not our instruction um and I remember reading Shanti Feldhand's book for women only and putting it together that my controlling behavior my husband was perceiving that as disrespect and I decided one time I was going to go we were going on a date night and I, I decided going into it all right I'm going to not give I'm, I'm not going to try and control anything <laughs> and it's funny you bring up um, driving Joanna because I like to just you know be the the second driver in the passenger seat. I like to. <laughs> oh, you can't relate to that at all, Kenny. No, no, I know what you're talking about. So I just decided on this day I wasn't going to give any input. I was just going to let him park the car uh, wherever he wanted to. All these things, and so. I, I, I didn't give him instruction on how to get to the mall. I didn't give him instruction on which, and there were several times I thought, oh, he just passed a really good parking space and things like that. And then I didn't, I didn't uh, try to control where we went first or, you know, we, I think we we're going to shop a little bit and have dinner at the mall. I didn't, I just kind of let him you know, talk about what he wanted to talk about. I I did have things I wanted to say, but I just let him kind of lead the evening. And afterward, he, about, you know, three quarters into the state, he leaned forward and said, this has been the best date. And I just thought, oh man, I didn't realize how much I am, how much negative, how much I'm impacting our relationship negatively by trying to control it all. It's, it's so true. Right. Um, but again, I think it's most difficult. You're talking about when there's some really difficult behavior or negative. And mm-hmm. so that, you know, that gets into, we don't want to uh, just, if, if there's, if there's some abuse going on in a marriage, if, um, if a spouse is sinning, I mean, all spouses sin, <laughs> right? All spouses sin. But if there's something where, you know, you called 911 and the police would have an issue with your husband's sin. Well, then you need to call 911 and involve other people. Um, that's, that is just that God is not endorsing, uh, sinful behavior that is illegally sinful behavior. And, but, you know, I think part of it is just being patient and letting God be the one to shave off these, these issues that, uh, we see in our spouses and, and be respectful in that process, letting God be God in their life, not trying to step in or stand in for God. Right. I know one thing um, that means so much to me is we had a season where um, I had a ways to go in loving one of our kids better. It, it was just a tough time. And um, Rob did challenge me on that. But um, the best thing he did for me was he prayed for me. You know, he didn't nag me and constantly make me feel bad and um, bear down on me about it. Um, He was consistently kind in his communication to me and he prayed and and God is the one who did a work in my heart and really um, brought a lot of healing. And so um, 
Yeah, in those matters, we do have such a great God who can affect so much more change in our spouse than we can, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I I love in, this kind of relates to what you were just saying, Joanna, um, in the stories of Rachel and Leah, the way that they're they're both approaching their husband in a wrong way. Um, Rachel is coming to, they both have the same husband, which is part of the problem. <laughs> you know, polygamy is never endorsed by God, but um, it, it happened in the Old Testament. So anyway, Rachel's coming to Jacob saying, give me a baby or I will die. So she's like coming saying, I need you to be this in my life. Right. And then Leah is having baby after baby and she's looking at these little babies and saying, oh, maybe this time my husband will love me. And so she's coming, she's longing for her husband's approval and affection. And both of them, it's a little bit different the way that they're coming to their husband, to their spouse, wanting that spouse to be like God for them. And, you know, those both show up in different kinds of marriages where someone's coming to the, the other spouse saying, give me this, you know, give me what I need or I will die. Or they're, they're wanting the approval or the affection where really I think relationships fall into place when we go to God for what we need, right? Before we better our relationship with a spouse, we have to have that relationship with God. And so, yeah, praying for our spouse or uh, reminding them of who God is. And, you know, you can trust him. God actually is controlled. This is a faith journey and faith involves not being able to see how it's all going to turn out, but we can trust him. And so being that spouse that points the other spouse to God, rather than trying to be God in that situation, both of us need to uh, be right with God. And that is how our relationship will fall into place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we just had one more question for you today. Um, You know, I'm sure lots of us in this space today are carrying some regret, right, over the hurt that we've caused by our controlling words and actions. And we were wondering what you would tell someone listening who is carrying just guilt or is wondering if it's too late to make a change. Oh, it's not too late. It's not. Um, you know, I have I have that issue. I have a lot of guilt, you know, because I look back at my young family, oh, I was pumping so much pressure into our family by trying to be perfect, trying to create a perfect family, trying to make it all turn out right and making everybody miserable. And we still are dealing with some of the aftermath of that. But, um, you know, when I look back at these people in the Bible who made the same mistakes, uh, I just see how God can redeem it. Like none of them came from perfect families either. And none of them were able to create the perfect family. All of them were broken. And there are so many evidences of controlling women, especially in the Bible. Um, And so, you know, the Bible is not a story about people who get what they deserve because they did it all right. The Bible is a story about people who get what they don't deserve and who did it all wrong and who God pours out his grace unexpectedly in their lives as they let him be God instead of trying to be God themselves. And, you know, I have seen God do amazing things in marriages where women will surrender control to God and let him be God instead of trying to play God herself. Um, And same with husbands. You know, I've had multiple people reach out and tell me, like, by just 
giving uh, God his place in their lives. They have found healing in their marriages and in their parenting. We serve a God who is gracious and who loves to bring life into dead places. So you can turn to him. You can come to him hopefully and with great expectance that he can turn things around. He can breathe life into the most dead, seemingly dead relationships. Um, and not immediately, you know, not, we can't turn things on a dime, but if we will consistently go to God with our cravings and our desires for peace and security and joy, if we will come to him, uh, to get the things that we need, and, and recognize that he's in control, then we can, it, it frees us to be the kind of spouse or parent that uh, God wants for us to be. And, and so it just, it creates this new environment and uh, new ambiance, I think, in our homes that, that does breathe life into those relationships. Yeah. So don't lose hope. Turn to God and trust that he can do things you would never uh, believe or imagine. Yeah, for sure. Shannon, I feel like you've given us a lot of hope today that we can let go of of the areas that we control, um, whatever that might be, and reach a whole new level of peace in our marriage. Uh, Would you be willing to pray for our listeners right now that they can find rest in God and healing in their their families today? Oh, I would love to. Lord Jesus, I pray for the husbands and wives who recognize that they've been trying to uh, control what is not theirs to control. We None of us can control other people. None of us can control outcomes. None of us can control our environment and make everything airtight and safe. Uh, all of us are invited to surrender control to you and let you be God. And I pray that in big ways and small ways that we would um, would trace our finger all the way to the end of the story and recognize that you are in control of how it all turns out. You ultimately are in control of the rest of the story. And so we can skip back to the page where we are in the journey and trust that you'll control today also. We can trust you. And that um, I pray that that we'll do a better job of wives, um, you know, submitting to husbands and being respectful to husbands and husbands being respectful of wives and recognizing that we're different and we're not going to think the same or do the same, do things the same way. Uh, But I pray that we would be mutually submissive one to another um, as Ephesians instructs and that we would invite you to be the Lord of our homes. Lord, we just pray for peace and, and security that comes only in knowing that you are God and we don't have to be. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that, Shannon. Now, I know our friends are going to want to learn more about your book and the other great resources that you have to offer. Can you tell us the best way for us to connect with you online? Sure. Um, So come to controlgirl.com, and you can hear about my study, Control Girl. And I will say that I have heard from male readers also, you know, husbands who want to read this book and understand their wives a little bit better or their daughters. Um, And so come to controlgirl.com. And I do have some free resources. I have some There's a Control Girl Mom Pack of meditations and prayers uh, for moms and a bunch of other free resources that you can sign up and receive. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the podcast today. Oh, it's been so great. Thank you so much, Rob and Joanna. 
Thank you. And thank you, friends, for joining us on the podcast. We would love to connect with you over at growinghometogether.com, where you'll find all kinds of resources to help you connect with God and each other through prayers, devotionals, and quality time tools. At Growing Home Together, we're caring for the soul of your family. And growing home together with you. Bye. Bye.